Hey, 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 classmates. Welcome back to No Class Podcast, the podcast that has unfiltered conversations about everything you didn't learn in school. Hey, Anthony J, welcome back. What's up? It's the year 20 million thousand trillion billion. (laughs) (laughs) 525,000. How y'all been though? It's been a It has. It has. We are still in... um, Whew. what's the what's the word what's the word it's not a pan you know pen what what are we calling it now what's the creative term for it now because we can't keep calling it this we can't keep giving that Voldemort name its name you at know? this point with all the variants I'm just calling it life this <laughs> is just the new life <laughs> it's called low-key real life like low-key like low-key from disney but like in real life where we are one of the variants actually this shit is never trying to end <laughs> never trying to end well i mean how are you how are you doing like how's everything been what's going on yeah so um pandemic wise things are different for me so news classmates i moved over the summer uh, i'm in atlanta now and so, uh, which is dope for the podcast because we are going to be covering and talking about stuff. And we talk about things nationally for the report card, but with a different angle from Baltimore to Atlanta. But um, it's been different because I've spent half of my summer in Atlanta so far and half of it in Baltimore. And so I definitely have, um, my body is operating on the way that things were going in Baltimore. So before I left, variant was kind of starting um, but I think felt like people were getting a little bit more relaxed. It, it was like a little bit norm to like be out in social places, wear your mask, you know, all those kind of things. Um, and variant has gone up. Things in Baltimore seem like people are like, woo, like things haven't shut down, but it seems like more concern and more alert. As you all know, Atlanta has never really been faced by the pandemic. Um, so I still have been operating kind of like the same way I did in Baltimore, like some of the same things that I wouldn't have engaged in or done. It's kind of like here, kind of have like that kind of thinking cap on. But um, so, yeah, I get to have fun sometimes when I want to in ways that I know that you can't in other cities because things ain't open. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm just going to keep my butt on at home. And me and Ari are just going to be in safe and breathe this good old air. How about you? That good old HEPA safe air. Safe air. (laughs) I'm good. Over the summertime, um, I was trying to enjoy myself. I did a little bit more traveling safely, though. Um, I remember when Memorial Day hit. Yeah, that was Memorial Day. I sometimes get Memorial Day and Labor Day confused, and I apologize for that. Okay. But um, because they both hot holidays, except for 4th of July. But um, so... When I was traveling during that time, that was around the time they had said that like, oh, you don't have to wear a mask if you are fully vaccinated, like boom, boom, boom. And that's when I felt everything went downhill. Now, despite what everyone, you know, everyone's personal opinions about what's going on with the variants, with the pandemic, with, you know, COVID, the cases rising or whatever, you know, I just chose to um, stay safe in the ways that I felt were were good, like every place that I've been traveling to. But first of all, I wanted to travel because last year I did not travel because we, you know, things were new, things were shut down for a lot of different cities and a lot of different states. Um, 
So that was something I chose not to do. But I think this year, like, I was like, ooh, Meg, we missed that hot girl summer, but we're going to kick it back up. We're going to bend them knees just like we used to. So I just wanted to get out and have a good time. And um, fortunately, I remained the healthiest, the healthiest I could be the entire time. So that was really something that I was grateful for. But one thing that has increased with me traveling, which may be in an episode, but um, is I take more cleaning products now. And I ain't, I ain't ashamed of it. Like prior to traveling during the pandemic, like I definitely had me a good old Lysol, a good old Clorox wipe, you know, but now your, your girl's coming up with the Ajax and the sponge. We're going to get everything clean. Okay. Like I'm not playing those games, you know, because I do know that a lot of people are not working because they're sick. They're taking care of family members. Or, you know, they're watching their children, you know, caring for different different things, like their priorities are a little different. They, you know, some of them are making more money on unemployment than at their regular jobs. And so they're, they're not risking their lives going out to work in environments that are unsafe, especially due to people who do not have the, to choose to wear a mask if they don't want to. But um, I know that a lot of these places that are hospitality based were understaffed. So I'm like, I need to, you know, I'm going to do my part. Mm. I'm going to make sure I'm good out here in these streets. So that's what I've been doing. But otherwise, like I'm getting ready for fall. Um, Things are going to be hunkering down for me, of course. Like I have a few different projects that I'm working on um, for fall. And this is kind of convenient for me that I always end up when I'm going like when I'm going in my fall season like I come from my fun summer season and I get into my fall season and I'm always just like I do not I'm not as sociable in the fall and in the winter that I am like in the spring and the summertime which I don't know if everybody else can relate especially because they have school um and teachers go back to teaching full-time you know things like that so but um that's what's going on with me I just got a few projects that hopefully they'll be finished by you know, sometime in fall and winter so that I can bring them to no class and to the classmates so we can all enjoy them. But um, yeah, that's what's been going on with me for the summer. I moved to no new city, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> Being a summer social butterfly. Being Meg the Stallion, hottie. Oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well. I mean, I'm so happy that we got to catch up, but now it is report card time. Yeah, yeah, you know what time it is. It's report card time. Some people about to get some F's, some detentions, get ready, get those report cards out now. So classmates, if you remember or kindly turn to that part in your syllabus, um, report card time is when we, the like the, the people of no class, um, whether we have our substitutes or whether it's just myself and Anthony who are your permanent teachers, we discuss different current events and then we grade these events A through F. Um, at the end, then we will give a gold star to the story that we find to have the most gold star worthy uh, story. <laughs> and then we will give a detention to the, the, the story that is detention worthy. So with that said, Anthony J, can you start us off with our first story, please? I'll start us off with our first one. Since we're talking about summer stuff, we're keeping it light. Let's do something 
I don't know what some may find fun or not fun, which is what is trending right now, what is a buzz right now is the crate challenge. So nobody knows, I don't think, where it started from, where it came from. I hope actually nobody ever finds out how it started. But if you have not seen the crate challenges where you take the milk crates, you turn them upside down, you build them like a pyramid, and you stack them usually on the grass. It has to be on something that's uneven. You can't just put it on, you know, the concrete. And you try to climb from one end over to the other end without falling. Um, this is interesting because this challenge has lots of characteristics of caucasity, but it's very black. <laughs> and that was one thing that surprised and shocked me that it's like, oh, the blacks have flocked to this challenge. This is not the Caucasian. Um, so um, I've seen some challenges where they're like, they have money on the line. You make it to the end, you get a hundred dollars or something. Some people are just doing it for fun. Um, it's very dangerous. There's lots of risk. And somehow, miraculously, I've seen lots of people fall. But nobody seems to have actually broken a thing. I've never, I haven't seen a report of somebody going to the hospital yet. We all know the potential is there. And I imagine that a few of them had like troubles getting out of bed the next day. But I still haven't seen anybody actually technically get injured. So what do you think about this challenge, Shanta? Um, I am judging. This is not a judgment-free story for me. I think it's dumb. It's so dumb. It's stupid. Y'all dummies. Um, <laughs> I think especially if you are one of those people who are not working and, you know, who maybe on like Medicaid or something like that, something where, you know, you're going to have to pay or like you might not even be eligible for Medicaid. You're going to have to pay like, you know, an astronomical bill from a hospital I think you shouldn't be doing that it's so dumb um I don't find anything about it creative I, I think <laughs> I think that um it's I always enjoy when people get together around a common thing but I just do not agree with this crate challenge like if y'all having fun good for y'all it's not for me it's not something that I really condone and I really am upset that a lot of people are doing this and they're risking their lives um I have not seen many of these crate challenges because honestly I've been avoiding it and I've been avoiding like are I you gonna go watch one no, I mean, not willingly, unless it's scroll, like I'm scrolling on the timeline to be completely. They had like actual events where people have them like in the yard. You wouldn't go to one of those and be an audience member? Hell no. Y'all get on my nerves. Okay. That's number one. Like y'all got to do all this extra. I'm sick, y'all. Like go sit down somewhere. Go sit down. They can't. It's a pandemic. There ain't nothing to do. That's why y'all supposed to be sitting down because y'all supposed to be safe. Like y'all really doing the most. And like, I want to talk to, I want to talk to these people who like, yeah, you might've not heard about these stories about people going into the emergency room for this dumb shit, but it's people going to the emergency room. They just ain't posting that. You think it's so cute. You want to post you in your little dumb ass crates. I don't like it. I'm just, uh, I, yeah, whoever is listening to this who did it, y'all gonna be mad at me. Like, I know she ain't talking, but I am because it's stupid. Don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Like, I have the, 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 the ones that I have seen, some have been on pavement, some have been on concrete. Makes oh. sense out of nonsense. 
Even if you do it on grass, even if you do it on grass, like these are crates, they're not, they're not built to hold this amount of weight from anybody, especially like they could be uneven. They're made of plastic. Like people are falling, the crates are falling down and being knocked like y'all like, come on now. Don't be like, (sighs) there's another part of the story that's missing to me too, because I have not seen or heard of the grocery stores complaining about their milk crates getting stolen because these milk crates got to come from somewhere like so there's so much that's missing i need more to the story i'm gonna need i, I need a wholehearted hearty story we're just i don't know why you need more contacts but okay enjoy <laughs> i need more i need more i need more come on journalists we need more angles on <laughs> so i i want to know what you would grade this story because I don't even want to give a grade because y'all already know how I feel about it. I'm giving it a C. It's average. Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, this is entertaining. Sometimes I'm like, oh, no. But I'm going to give it average and mediocre. And I say this too, because some of the critique around the crate challenge I heard people have been like is, we black, we shouldn't be doing that. Da, 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 da. Like this, like, I'm like, let people live though. Like, if they want to make they, a mistake, no, they fall off they, a crate, let them fall off a crate. They think they on ridiculousness and shit. Uh-uh, we ain't doing that. Nope, we ain't doing that. I'm giving C for mediocre. It's mediocre. It's average. It's not. It's not excellent. It's not bad. I know y'all bored. You know, shit shut down. So I'm giving it a C. Okay. The crate gets a C. The 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 C for crate. All right, cool. Um, so I would like to share a story. Um, well, actually, there is something that's going on that's been a huge um. Uh, there's a huge change in the way that women athletes are um, really being vocal about their mental health. And this came about from the 2000, which was, these are supposed to be the 2020 Olympics, right? In, J- in Japan. Well, it started in actually for the French Open for Naomi in yes. May. Yeah. Yes. So we have um, athletes like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles who are very prominent athletes in their field um they're basically they they, like they chose not to move forward in their athletic athleticism for like temporary due to mental health um issues or you know them just trying to regulate their mental health and there has been some backlash especially because given like the the fact that these athletes are supposed to be performers, um, they're supposed to hold a certain standard, but it just brings into question the, like how powerful, first of all, how important mental health is to all people, but how powerful it is when you have reached a certain level of success in your platform to be able to turn down things and say no. Um, I just wanted to add that in because that kind of goes across the board for every person in every industry, not just athletes. But um, one thing I wanted to do was kind of juxtapose this to Shakari Richardson and, and what has happened with her career um, and her popularity, like how her popularity has been extremely short, um, just given what's going on with her track record um, in track and the um, controversy surrounding her use of marijuana and doping you know like her being disqualified and basically eliminated from the um olympics in japan and then 
people finding out that she was grieving the death of her mother, um, just her being bombarded with all these different things. And then, you know, after she lost her last race, which she came in ninth place, which was last place um, and got beasted by the Jamaican, the Jamaican runner athletes. Um, basically she came out and was extremely arrogant about it. So it's kind of like, there's a juxtaposition when you have two people who at the top of their careers um who are just like no like I've been quiet for far too long basically and now I'm gonna speak up and I'm gonna be very upfront about what's going on in my life and the fact that you know like Simone Biles she was talking about how her medicine was changed around and you know she's trying to adjust um so this is causing differences in um her capacity to be a great performer because of what's going on with her mental health. So um, I kind of want to get your your take on it, Anthony J. How do you feel about um, Naomi Osaka, Simone Biles, athletes who are at the top of their game, um, who are kind of being like, I just need to take a step back. I need a break, no matter what it what it is. And then Shakari being like, um, I got to keep going. Or, you know, basically her being her losing so much that she had to get kicked out honestly so how do you feel um i appreciate like the some of the context that you gave around it and i think that's important to the story because what you saw in the headlines when these were coming up with all of them was just the like they're not performing and it's like they're being brats they're being divas like all these things it's just like it, it did not give the um the wholeness of the individuals and all the things that was happening behind the scenes for them. Um, I knew very little about um, Simone and don't follow her as much. I was kind of like watching the Olympics, but um, I know particularly when that one came out, I was like, Ooh, I don't have time. This is exhausting. But people were like, how could she not perform? How she let her team down, letting the country down and all this. And it was very selfish. It was coming from the consumption of somebody, like people being the fans and being like, we're counting on you, entertain us. Um, and then finding out later on um, the potential consequences and the danger of her performing if she wasn't mentally strong to do some of the things that um, it requires for your, um, to, to be connected kind of mentally and, and to have that um, stamina when doing the bars and gymnasium. Um, I'm more familiar with Naomi. Um, tennis is hard as far as a sport. When you actually lose, there's um, it's unique in the way that if you lose a match, especially if it is the final, you have to stand there beside the person with the trophy, listen to their acceptance speech. You can't just leave and walk off the floor like other sports, and this is happening over and over. You have to attend the press conference. You have to talk about how you lost. You know what I mean? So um, that's a lot. That's a lot when you're mental. And when you have both of them that have been doing this for years and years, that takes a toll. Um, and then you do the other side, and you look at the Shikari, who's like, I'm trying to, to build, and I'm trying to get there, and I need to keep going. Um, she has a lot on the line and a lot that could be gone, right? Um, so I just, I appreciate the way that you you placed it and, and positioned it because I don't think that it's been talked about in 
are rarely talked about and being like, let's look at everything that's happening for these, I'm going to say human beings, because they're treated as just the athlete or just the person to entertain you. But like, let's look at the whole human being and see what's happening. Um, and then again, I only know from so far, like being so distant from them, as just seeing them through the television. But I hope that they all get to find what is, is best for them to be the best athlete if they choose to you know, continue in the sport they're doing. Um, but most important, what makes them like the best human being for themselves. Um, and I wish that we would approach that more. Instead, we want to place our opinion um, to get them back on the court, um, on the track as soon as they can to perform. So we can say, yeah, we cheered them on and they represented us. So that's how I feel. How about you? Yeah, um, I love what you said. And I just wanted to add that, um, you know, like I'm not an athlete, like I'm not a professional athlete. Like I barely want to work out sometimes. So like it takes a lot of effort and it, it takes a lot of effort to be them. And just the fact that you pointed out, Anthony J, that when you are uh, an athlete, like a tennis player and, you know, a lot of these athletes, when they go on ESPN or they do these news press conferences and stuff like that after they've lost, like some of them are like hiding tears, like trying to, you know, like they're very emotional and sometimes they don't even want to talk about it. But it, in order to be professional, because that's the decorum in sports, you know, that's what they have to do. And I remember a point in time when Naomi is like, I'm not doing interviews like and they again, they they chided her for it you know they they disrespected her you know even when Simone Biles came out and said that I am not doing this because my mental health like there were a lot of people who made fun of her even Michael Che made like a really disgusting joke and it was not in support of her you know it's just it's it's crazy to even think about like what you see of celebrity and what you see of these really famous people like think about you know, Beyonce, but make her an athlete, you know what I'm saying? And it's like just the criticism alone that you get for being a human being. Like it's, it's like you're an alien of a sort, you know? Um, mm -hmm. So I, I definitely am, um, I feel sorry. I feel really bad for them. And, I, and they're probably like, don't cry for me, Argentina. But, you know, I just feel bad for them on a, on a human level, just because it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure that I don't have to, deal with as a person who is not well known or is not a celebrity you know I don't have to deal with you know helping to like making millions of dollars and feeding everybody who is my family who are people who work for me and then being chastised because I'm not I'm not working quote unquote you know what I'm saying like and on one stage like mm -hmm. uh, like there's an extra emphasis that I really feel bad for athletes that do sports that only you only get on the big stage for the Olympics, which is yeah. once every four years. You know what I mean? And then they thought it was 2020 and they got to try to restart for 2021. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in that versus when you have like the sports like the basketball, the tennis, the football, they're constantly practicing all day, all year. And you kind of like if you don't win the Grand Slam, if you don't win the championship, there's next year. Yeah. But when you're like a gymnast or when you're a track star, there are these small tournaments, but the big one, your biggest stage is the Olympics. So it's like, you only have about so many Olympics because of your age. That's right. And so then if you blow it or you don't make the mark, that's a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. It is a lot of pressure. And then 
I'm just even thinking about socially the amount of um, like the narrative is changing about the about the emotional intelligence and the overall wisdom of some of these athletes, but like they like they're people who we have tri- like culturally always told to shut up and play, mm-hmm. you know, and now they're like, I can't do that. Like I have, I'm, I'm a dynamic person. Like I cannot just perform like a robot, you know, get, hire a fucking robot then ask fucking Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk to make a Tesla bot of me and some shit like, you know, but um, I just feel I have a lot of empathy for these athletes, in particular, these three women that we're talking about, but for a lot of these athletes, like, um, so with that being said, like, I, I do want to give a grade and um, I want to give, I want to give a grade to athletes who are extremely prominent, like Simone Biles and like Naomi Osaka, and that um, they are helping to raise the awareness and to question the overall like treatment of really profound and elite athletes and even athletes who are on a smaller scale just athleticism in general like that is something that needs to be talked about because to wake up every day and eat and breathe tennis or to wake up every day and eat and breathe track like that is some real hard dedication that you have to commit to in your mind you got to commit your body to everything is surrounding that you know like your whole life is that and then to be criticized because like you like your mom dies what that's crazy to me that's crazy to me so for that I will give these I will give these women an A because in order for you to make a huge impact and to cause change, you've got to be at the top of your game. And I appreciate the sacrifices that each of these athletes have made to get that far, to tell people no, and to, to bring awareness to something that needs to be changed. So an A for, an a for that. Yeah, great. Um, the next story is going to come. This is a couple of days after the anniversary um, of Aaliyah's death, which... Um, for some people may have seemed so long ago or seemed like very recently, but this is the 20 year mark. Um, this year was um, Aaliyah's uncle finally gave the release of some of her music on some platforms. So she's been, I feel like the story is elevated and she's been celebrated even more on this anniversary of her passing because now people have access to her music that didn't have it before on the streaming platforms. Um, but one of the conversations that came up with celebrities was with Dame Dash. Um, some of you may or may not know that Dame Dash and Aaliyah were dating. I think at the time that she passed away, they were still dating. And um, they were engaged. Oh, they were engaged. Okay. Um, and this is big because a lot of people have said that Dame Dash changed after Aaliyah's passing. Um, and it's like, like not the same um, and we have seen episodes of Dame Dash just being very outspoken. Um, but in this interview he had, he talks about his anger towards Hype. And so um, Hype Williams directed Aaliyah's last video, Rock the Boat, that was being filmed. Um, and I think it was Aruba or the Bahamas. And um, the Bahamas. The Bahamas, okay. 
I love Aaliyah, so I'm going to spit all these little tidbits. <laughs> I literally love Aaliyah, so keep going. <laughs> um, so she was shooting that, and then, as you all know, went to get on the plane, and the plane crashed. But behind the story, behind the, um, the scene story that Dame is telling, is that Lenny Kravitz actually offered um, a private jet for Hype Williams to take. And he said that he has anger towards the situation because like, why didn't Aaliyah get on the private one that Lenny Kravitz had offered? Why did she end up on this? The, uh, the one that she already felt uncomfortable with and had spoke to Dame that she did not like the, the plane and had a fear of uh, flying. Um, so what do you think about this, Chantel? Does this, um, stories like this, some people are like, why share it now? All this time has passed. How is that helpful? And then some people are like, it's helpful for him to share because maybe that's part of his healing process or was he just being messy? Uh, how do you feel about this story? Well, one thing I can say is I always appreciate how outspoken Dame Dash is, even though like, I feel like he can definitely be rude, but I always appreciate hearing his voice on certain matters because I feel like I feel like he don't speak unless he know the truth, to be honest. And um, it's very clear that he has not fully healed. And that was extremely like something that caused trauma for him and his growth and love and, you know, things of that nature. Like um, I even watched some of the shows like growing up hip hop with him and his children on there and him and his new wife, they have they have little babies together but he still talks about Aaliyah sometimes on the show and how that affected him so you know I I can understand the misplaced anger especially because we all know that there are some aspects of emotional intelligence and learning to you know cultivate spaces for your mental health that are just very new to black men and black men of his generation so I just wanted to say that um I feel like all of this is extremely relevant. Like Aaliyah's name has never not been talked about, you know, especially given the fact that this is the anniversary of her death. Then her uncle who was is infamous for being the gatekeeper of Aaliyah's music and not, and I don't even think he's a part of her estate, but, um, I know that there has been a battle between her estate and her uncle for a very long time. Um, and then we still have everything going on with R. Kelly. Like all of this is extremely relevant. Like this woman's legacy has, is infiltrated in different parts of culture that we speak on today. So it's all pretty relevant. And for someone like Dame Dash, who knew her personally, who was, who wanted her to be his wife, like, if you're bringing up all these things, of course you're going to have something to say. Why wouldn't you have something to say as somebody being close? Everybody who has been close to her has said something about what's going on, mm -hmm. you know? So why wouldn't his voice be just as, you know, powerful in this statement? Just because y'all know Dame Dash and he rude and he talked like, you know, he a New York nigga, like, so what? That does not, that does not mean that his voice does not need to be heard because he still has something to say about it. Um, I don't know if his anger is misplaced. Honestly, 
due to this being the the anniversary like the 20th anniversary of her death like there have been more articles coming about about the details of the flight in particular um I don't want to go into them because they can be a little graphic but if you want to do that on your own and do your own research please do like there have been a little bit more details going on about um everything surrounding her death um so it's all kind of interesting there are some things that just we're not privy to because we do know that she was an extremely private person as people who grew up and knew her music and knew her personality through interviews and stuff like that stuff that we could see through like BET or MTV as children of R&B music so um I think his I think his voice is important um y'all don't want to hear it cool he does have a lot of healing to do so there are things that may be misplaced especially because of the fact that like um like if this is true that Lenny Kravitz did give hype a private you know plane to get out of the Bahamas and stuff like that like yeah I would feel I would feel angry too probably but also like I feel like and I was just because I this is so morbid I'm so sorry and I talked to my brother and one of his best friends about this last night actually and I was just like you know the only thing that we're promised is in this world is death you know and so it's really hard to conceptualize as a person who is a survivor of a person who's really close to you who has died Mm -hmm. you know so whatever he has to do to find healing I hope that he does move forward in that pursuit um I don't know if it's an appropriate thing to blame hype or not i can't call that that was the only thing that i did like even that he mentioned hype was fine for me but in the end at the end of the interview he says but you have to ask hype about that and so to me it felt like like i'm gonna stick the dogs on hype hype now for y'all to go Mm. confront him about that and i was like uh like that to me that felt kind of like unfair and displaced to like to bring him into that you know what i mean and so i agree with that i agree with especially that. in our world right now the cancel culture it's like it felt like go sick them now you know um and so i don't know where things are it doesn't say in the interview if like him and hype talk at all or if they beef or whatever like that but to me it felt like if it was pressing on your heart then maybe you should have had the conversation with hype or you could have just said and mentioned the story without the like go talk to hype about that part yeah but I do agree with you that like what he's saying, what he's sharing is I always have felt like has been true. Um, they want to put him in the boxes like some of the other celebrities that just go off. But it's like what he'd be saying oh, do be true, though. Um, I mean, Lee owed him his money. It do be true. It be true. Like, true. I feel like, yeah, of course, that anger was displaced. But I also feel like that's shrouded. Like we all do that. We all deflect and we all displace. Like that's a human experience to displace your emotions from, you know, like I know for myself, like when something happens to me, I don't get sad immediately. I get angry first, Mm -hmm. you know? So that could be something that he does as a protective mechanism to not truly honor and sit in his sadness. Like for it to be an article, that's kind of, taking it too far for me to be honest with you i'm like i don't even need to hear this shit to be real with you but if you want to put it out here on front street like no duh this man still hurt yeah yeah 
And the, I, I don't think that there is a, we even talk about the way that people grieve, like you have your own way or whatever, but I don't, I don't believe that people have their own way. I think it's different with each circumstance. Like, I don't think you can say this is the way that I grieve and all of this tragedy that, that may happen. And so um, while I would sit here and be like, oh, it, it doesn't seem like it'd be helpful to like harp on the past. Like there's nothing that we can do about it now. And you hear people say that all the time, but maybe that does do something for him or maybe that does even do something for the fans. Um, but like for me right now, I'm just like, uh, I don't think that I want to know or I don't think that I need to get into that. You know what I mean? So, but I'm not saying don't do it for the, I guess the fans and the people that want to and maybe the digging that like he wants to do. I'm just like, yeah. So, what's your grade? I I'll give the grade. Uh, and what are you gonna grade? This is kind of hard. This is hard to grade. Um, I'm gonna grade. I'm gonna grade Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually gonna give him a C plus. Okay. Um. Dame is being Dame and being honest like he can always be, but also Dame could have also went in. <laughs> Dame know some shit. Dame could also went in, but I'm also looking at Dame being like um, being honest and vulnerable, which like he didn't have to be in this. And this is there's also it's 20 years later, right? Mm-hmm. And so most people would be like, it's 20 years later. You shouldn't still be talking about her. You to move on with your life or whatever. So I appreciate that honesty and that vulnerability in that to still be like, and this is where I still am, even though I've been in love since then and have like done all these things, this is where I still am. Because I think a lot of times um, we're meant to be shameful. We're not supposed to express those things after so much time. Yeah. So we're supposed to have the cute, beautiful answer like, oh yeah, like, yeah, just because the world has gotten over it don't mean it don't hurt for the people who are still in the trenches with it, you know? Yeah. Well, good. I think, I guess that's an appropriate grade. Um, so for our last story, I wanted to talk about um, the recycling industry. Well, no, let's not say industry, but what is going on in Baltimore? Um, the Baltimore Brew reported that a study finds just 2.2%. Oh, I said that Baltimore like just 2.2% of Baltimore's trashed plastic is recycled while 47% is burned. Um, so um, there was a study done with the department the Department of Public Works and um, the Bresco Trash Incinerator in Baltimore, they were, well, actually, no, sorry. Who did this study? A new report looking at the challenges of recycling. Hold on, I'm sorry. Let me, let me make sure I know who did this story just to be really clear because it's, so the thing that's been going on with, um, me and Anthony, when we were trying to discuss this story, it's like, we kind of try to figure out like who is at the bottom of all this stuff. It's kind of like, it seems like it's always a question that leads to another question and not an answer. So I found out that the Global Alliance for Incinerator Alternatives did a study on um, five cities, Detroit, Long Beach, Minneapolis, Newark, and Baltimore was included. And of those five cities, 
it was noted that um, Baltimore rated the lowest in actually having their recycled plastics recycled. And 2.2% is like extremely minuscule. Um, so basically the Baltimore brew is talking about how most of it is getting burned. Like they're saying that even this Bresco incinerator that costs like $55 million a year in health damages to residents, like they, like they actually contribute a lot of air pollution to the environment that's going on around them too. So I kind of want to get your idea on like, um, what do you think about this story and like the amount of recycling that is done in Baltimore? Like we we literally have campaigns from the public, public, Department of Public Works. Like we have recycling bins and trash cans and, you know, we're a huge, like we have huge campaigns on picking up trash because of the amount of vermin Oh, I said vermin, like I'm politically correct. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the amount of like rats and stuff that we have in our city. So it's like a huge campaign always for us. And then they introduced recycling during Sheila Dixon or it was it was either Sheila Dixon or Stephanie Rollins Blake's term as mayor. Um, and so with, with that knowledge, like of how we have been like collecting our recyclables and we have separate days for trash and recycling. And now the knowledge that you have that only 2.2% only is actually recycled and most of it is burned off and contributing more pollution. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? It's, it's different now that we, we, classmates just talked about this like an hour ago and I was thinking one way and now I'm on another. I, I think I'm thinking about it from my, um, y'all know I was a community organizer and one of the, emphasis in some of our neighborhoods was on trash and was on recycling and environmental stuff. Um, and when I hear that number, now I'm thinking about how much, what if that number, uh, questions basically, I have more questions. Um, residents used to try to educate other residents on recycling, but also recycling is not the same all across the country, things that are recyclable and things that aren't. For example, in Baltimore City, like you can't recycle styrofoam and put that in your recycling can. Um, in some places, you can actually put it in your can and they could have a separate section for it and put it in an appropriate place. And so part of what the education was, they used to have, you know, the, the diagrams and the maps of like, this is what is re recyclable in the city. This is what's not. And so I'm wondering if part of that number of not being able to recycle and things get burned is people trying to recycle but not educated and doing it inappropriately. Or is it just that the city is not taking the quality things that should be recycled and throwing them away? I'm not sure. But um, one thing that we did talk about earlier is the, the mystery of what happens after you recycle. It's just like, you're always told to do it. And I was telling Chantel, I pat myself on the back. It's like, ooh, I recycled. I did my part. I don't follow up and figure out what happens afterwards. I don't figure out how much of it is actually recycled. I don't figure out if there's a way that I need to um, to vote to make my, like the things that I do more effective or what I need to do more of. It's just like, oh, just I guess like you're saying, because the trash is so bad in the street and we want to recycle it's just like that's just how far the conversation goes it, it doesn't go much deeper for me um so yeah that's lots of questions a lot more questions how about you yeah of course of course questions like 
you're even talking like you even talked about styrofoam I didn't even know that styrofoam could be recycled until I was at one of my friend's house and this is the friend that me and Anthony J have in common um this person well I'll just say shout out to Maria um because she is a person that kind of woke my eyes up to and and like I realized how much trash I still contribute um as an individual and even my family does like we have a big 13 gallon trash can you know and like we don't recycle every single thing all the time like some some things like we're just like I'm not washing it out so put it in the trash you know like it's kind of it's kind of haphazard it's it's really lazy honestly but there's so much confusion behind recycling the industry period so it's like, I didn't even know so many things could be recycled. Like if I, if I drink water from a plastic water bottle, like is the plastic cap going somewhere, then the label's going another place. And then the, right. the bottle itself is going another place. Like there's so much mystery shrouded in the industry in general. And then Pizza I'm boxes. looking at- I used to do that. Sure. It's like, oh, it's recyclable, it's a box. And they're like, once there's grease in it, it's no good. Exactly. Like, yeah. exactly so that's what that could be also why they're throwing things away because they're like no it's a it's a no-go we can't recycle that um i'm even reading in this article that um mayor brandon scott who's our current mayor at the time of this recording he announced the approval of 7.9 million dollars in city spending to be matched by 1.6 million dollars in private funding to provide new litter recycling carts to 205,000 city households to increase the recycling so like you, like as a, as a, as a community, we're pushing recycling and then we think that we're doing our part. Just like me and Anthony said earlier, like, yeah, I, I use my recycling bins and I put this in there and I put that in there. And then when recycling people come, I give them my recycling, like I'm doing my part, you know, but we don't even know how far our part extends. And then the fact that, um, I'm seeing in this article that the, the, like this article is mostly focusing on plastic recycling. And if you're burning 47% of this plastic, then you're contributing to air pollution. Mm-hmm. You know, how is this factory working? It ain't working off solar panels. You get what I'm saying? Like, how is this working? So then we have the, the question of industry versus individual. Mm-hmm. How much can the individual contribute to what's going on when we have these large industries that are actually being responsible for the constant destruction of the environment yeah you know how much should we know about that because those those agencies are not extremely transparent they only get caught up in it when they have to be investigated Mm -hmm. you know so it's so much it's so many questions so much to be answered um i know for myself it's, it's, I feel like it's a, a slippery slope for me um, because even with the plastic bag ban, we still got plastic bags in our grocery stores and a lot of our stores, mm-hmm. you know, um, we like I went to um, another country over the summertime and in order like they legit were like, we don't do plastic bags. We will give you this. And they gave me like one of those biodegradable um cotton bags to hold like mm. you know my items my my little snacks and shit you know and I'm like damn like I can use this bag all the time but 
a lot of places are now doing that and we don't know what's behind the makings of that industry either like how much water they could be consuming and using and then polluting the environment with like we just don't know it's always i just feel like everything is a super slippery slope um i do appreciate that this article is out but i don't think that it gives a good plan of action like it's one thing to complain about it it's one thing to show up with the facts but in order for you to move forward and find it like you got to give us a solution because we as people who are not like we don't study we don't work in environmental activism or environmental organizations we don't know any about anything about the environment unless it's shown to us or told to us you know so in order for I mean maybe it's maybe it was too much of a responsibility for this person who's the author of this article too, because there's so much to be discussed and so much research to be done, so many questions to be had. But um, I know for me, like I will try to do my part in whatever I feel like is best. Like there are times when I do use like um, a metal water bottle, you know, but sometimes I'll still use, like I, pour the water from the plastic the plastic bottle into the metal water bottle and it's like you know I don't because I don't know what my water is like I don't know what my water is being treated with I don't know where that water comes from even through the you know the pipe systems or whatever and then first of all I live in Baltimore and them pipes is old as hell so I don't know what I'm getting in that water you know I don't know how healthy the system is especially because we have had a huge um like it's a it's a huge infrastructure problem and they're still trying to figure out how to replace most of the Baltimore city pipes um and they're they're like do we increase the water like do we increase water bills for people like taxes like what do we do so you know big ass slippery slope I feel like I just ran a whole circle and I'm out of breath (laughs) what grade are you giving it though um okay this is this is um let me think about this because i appreciate the facts given um i appreciate the studies being had but i also want to know more and even just asking these questions like i have not found an answer i keep digging question after question after question so i think i'll give this a c plus I appreciate that this is a conversation that now we understand that we need to have. And then it actually made me and Anthony be like, we should do a little bit more research to see if we can get somebody to talk about this on no class, because, you know, why not? Like, no better do better. Right. Um, So now we're going to be like, let's make it our responsibility to do a little bit of legwork on that. Um, But also, I just see it's confused like I'm confused (laughs) and there's so much I want to learn and know more about so I can do my part but do my part efficiently so with all those stories that we have lined up I mean I know we gave these we gave most of the grades of C but what would you consider to be the gold star story and what about it is gold star worthy i would give the gold star to um athletes activism uh activists naomi Ooh, and well, I get- Simone, um 
for deciding to prioritize their mental health and exemplify and, and give us an example of what it means to take a break when we need to from, from work for them, which is their job. Because um, to me, I think it's if they can do it on a big stage like that on days where you're like, I need to take a break and I can't show up for work at your job. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's who I think deserves the gold star. How about you? Yeah, I like that. I like I like the term you said, athletic af, um, activism too. Um, just because we have had we have had athletic activism show up in so many ways, especially for a lot of black athletes. A lot of it ha- has had to do with racism. But mm. now we know that mental health is something that also helps a lot of people on a global scale. So it's like, um, I appreciate you even mentioning that that was a term. And um, I definitely appreciate the canon, like the support that these people have had, these women have had to even speak up about this because that's the number one thing. It's like, not only should I have this voice, but the rally cry of all all these people who are just like, I agree, you know, she ain't crazy. Mm-hmm. Let's bigger up, you know. So which is why my de- oh, I was gonna say, which is my de- detention is all the people that were just like so mad and so pissed off at them and had so much to say about it because um, to me, I don't feel I feel like there were more that had negative things to say about it. Um, I feel like it is so kicking somebody when they're down to be like, hey, I need a mental health break. And it's like, I'm going to break you down some more. So I'm like, yeah, you definitely in the detention. You definitely need to be expelled for that shit. Um, So that's my nomination for the detention because there was some real haters. Mm, Hi, hater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Honestly, for detention, I, I guess I will say... I can, I can extend on what you want your detention to be because even for people who are criticizing like somebody who like Dame Dash, like I get, if your criticism is that he's rude, I get that. But I don't get, I don't get when people criticize telling other people how to feel. And that extends to Dame Dash, that extends to Simone Biles, that extends to Naomi Osaka, that extends to anybody, you know? I feel like as a whole, we have a heart, like I, I'm growing in my mind, my, my business cards, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm growing in that aspect. And I just feel like as a whole, as classmates, look at yourself and kind of figure out like, Hey, like, should I, should I be saying this? Should I be really criticizing people for like how they feel? Because that's like, like that is an extremely vulnerable place to be you know, and sometimes we can't help how we feel, no matter, like, that's how our, um, our subconscious lives, you know, mm-hmm. so um, I, I want to give a detention to, uh, to the people who are just criticizing people for how they feel in general, because it's like, it's never, that's never good, like, suppressing feelings, we've all learned, because we've had a huge shift in mental health culture, but we know that suppressing feelings or like, you know, it's, it's just not a way to be true to yourself. So um, I appreciate people for continuing and to speak up. And I really want to stress that for those who try to limit other people's voices, like, like, that's not good. You in detention. That's, that's fucked up. So, 
So what I like about this report card that we're, um, we did and try to capture some of the things that's happened since we recorded last time is it kind of gives a good sneak peek into some of the things we're going to cover this season. Um, we talked a little about about grief with the Dame Dash story. We're going to get into that with someone, with a guest on the show coming this fall. Um, as Chantel said, we're trying to do some more digging into this recycling. We hope we can offer um, some more education and some more learning about that this fall um, or something with the environmental um, feel to it. Um, as always, we're always sharing you, with you what's happening on things with, regarding activism and mental health and stuff. So this was a good um, welcome back, um, the Great Crate episode. <laughs> um, some dummies with them crates. I'm, I said what I said. Fight me on it. <laughs> I, I totally thought when you said the tension, you was going to talk about them crates again. I was no. like, oh, okay, cool, cool. All right, good. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure that everybody listening is already on all our social media handles, but just in case you missed one of them, just in case you missed one, get your pen out, get ready to take these down. Um, we are on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Facebook, and IG as No Class Podcast. If you are missing us on Twitter, it's No underscore Class Podcast. Tumblr is No Dash Class Podcast. Um, you can email at us Email us at our Gmail at no.classpodcast at gmail.com. Um, maybe there was a summer story that we did not cover in the report card. Did you like, hey, y'all missed this? I'd love to hear y'all talk about it. You can place it there. If you would like to be a guest on the show, that's where you can send that in. Um, we, You can rate us on iTunes. We are accepting donations to build a No Class Podcast. Uh, we're doing... Um, coverage of events again um, like we started in 2019 into 2020 we're doing some more of that uh, but donations towards no class helps us do more helps us build to get bigger to have more quality things and so we appreciate your contribution we appreciate you tithing and um, placing your offering in the church of no class podcast um, anything else you want to add Chantel? Put them damn crates back. <laughs> you know what? And on that note, y'all stay hydrated, melanated, and glowed up. And we look forward to seeing you many, many more times this season. <laughs>